Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Episode 43 of Smart Enough to Know Better, a podcast of science, comedy, and uh, ignorance. Yay! I am Gregoire. And I'm Dan Beeston. Guess who that was at the start of the podcast? Sh- should I get? Well, I'm, I already go, go, know. Go, go. <laughs> should I? Ruin the magic. Uh, well, guess. Was it Sylvester McCoy? It was Sylvester McCoy. My favourite Doctor Who ever. The seventh Doctor. He's, he's just a Doctor. You don't call him Doctor Who. Uh, His just, name's Doctor Who. Uh, uh, I'll stab you with a knife. Uh, or the Sonic Fury Driver. Yes, it was Sylvester Dr. McCoy. Doctor John Doe Who. <laughs> As I... That's hence all the question marks all over his costume. John Smith who? Maybe. I don't know. John Smith. Anyway, it was Sylvester McCoy, the seventh Doctor, who very kindly introduced the start of a podcast. He hasn't met us. Uh, that was thanks to no. a, a, a listener who went out and annoyed all the Doctors. And, until a they... listener. A li- Whoa! Got <laughs> an uh, engineering fault. Uh, no, it's the same Scott Driscoll who's always getting uh, going to these conventions and stuff and getting all the cool ones for us. So thank you, Scott. That's right. You met Tripod and they don't know who we are. Yeah. And, and you met Doctor Who and... And uh, the guy from St- Stargate. And so he doesn't know who we are. No one knows who we are, but by goodness, they've all said our names. Yeah. Very, and what's really interesting, it ties in with the 43rd number. Well, that's the one that we're using for this I number know. 43 podcast. Weird. I know, 43. 43 is the fourth term of the Sylvester sequence. Ah. ah. Like the putty cat. Yeah, 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 yeah. I taught, I taught a Sylvester sequence. Yes. Uh, no, it, it, do you know what it is? Have you heard of the Sylvester sequence? I've, I've never before? heard of it. No, neither have I until I looked it up only seconds before I went to the podcast. I happened to notice it. I'm Just so you know. Do you not do any prep for this show I, at all? I, 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 I put on pants. That's always a step up. So the uh, in number theory, Sylvester sequence is an integer sequence in which each member of the sequence is the product of the previous members plus one. So you have two, and you have three. So two times three is six, and six times seven is. Wait, how do we get seven? Oh, seven seven's the next number in the sequence. Oh, so two, two times three is six. Plus one is seven. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So two. Okay. So two times three is six. Yep. Plus one is seven. Yes. So six times seven. Yes. Is wait is forty two? Yes, plus one. Plus why plus one? Because that's what the sequence is. That's how you do it. It's the that's what I just said. Each member of the sequence is the product of the two previous members plus one. The product of the two previous members plus one. Yes. So gotcha. The, yes. So, okay. So it's six by seven is forty two plus that's one. That's really reaching. It is. But then it gets really really big. So you get like two, three, seven. 43, 1,807,3,263,443. And then the numbers just get stupidly big. We yes. don't have that many episodes of the podcast. Well, we, one day we will. One day we'll be at episode 3 million to, <laughs> going, oh, hooray for Sylvester. Oh. I don't think we will. Oh. How many do we get done a, a year? 24 or so? About 24, that. exactly, in yeah. fact. In fact, 24, exactly. We'll be here for a while. Yeah, so it takes, it'll take us four years to get 96 done. Oh, what are we, middle-aged? We, we might, we might, <laughs> we might... That's we very might, generous of you. We might die in... Let's, say, let's give us a little bit of, like, cybernetic technology. Let's uh, say that we live for another 100 years. Yes, yes. That's still 2,400 episodes. Oh, no, well... 
No, we won't get that far. But still, that's that's a lot. That's a lot of episodes. Wow. Yes. Two th- oh, my goodness. If we don't get on with the podcast, then our life expectancies will be a lot shorter as listeners yell at us for wasting their time. Yeah, this this one seems to be going on for a couple of years. <laughs> I won a competition. I was very excited. I won a competition on Twitter. Don't say Twitter is useless. I won stuff you on Twitter. Was this a poetry competition? It was a poetry competition. I was, I was up late one night. I couldn't sleep. and I was out on my punt. <laughs> uh, wearing a straw on the, hat. On the River Isis. Yes. <laughs> and I was struck by prose. <laughs> Pretty much. I just happened to see a tweet saying, hey, uh, we're going to give prizes away to people who give the best scientific haiku. Now, a haiku, for those who don't know, is the ones that are based on the Japanese... Oh, no, it, wasn't based, it is the Japanese style of poetry where you have five syllables. No, no, line. the current haiku, haiku is based yeah, on the Japanese haiku. And, and, and it's not five syllables for the first line, yep. seven syllables for the second line, yep. and five syllables for the third line. Yep. And people are very angry now. I know some people are like, no, it's seven, thirteen, and seven. Oh, well, there are Stop many arguing. different yeah, ones, but... From what I understand, from the someone, Zeitgeist one. Yeah, the, one that, that's the know. Zeitgeist yeah. one. That's the one you learn in grade three. Yeah, five, five, seven, five. But it's also supposed to have some reference to some seasonal it is. element. That's right. And and mine didn't. No, but but, but <laughs> so I just and I just quickly did one, and it won. It won. It was much better. First prize. First prize. Uh, the only prize. Only one prize, and I won it because everyone else's was rubbish. I was looking right. For that bad, huh? <laughs> Pretty much. And I, I, I'm now going to read you my award-winning haiku. Ooh. <clears throat> Solar wind smashes. Interstellar medium. Termination shock. Oh. Uh, what's that about, Dan? Uh, that's that fucking heliopause. <laughs> That's like the helio shock before it. Exactly right. And it works. I got the words termination shock. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. And also, solar wind, that's kind of an atmospheric environmental yeah, okay, thing. I think. Yeah, okay, thank you. I think, oh, that, thank you. I think that ties in oh, nicely with the traditional haiku. Solar winter or something. Or, I don't know. Who knows? But it won, and it won, and I won all this stuff from at Real Scientists, which is worth following on Twitter. If, because they, what they do is they, it's not just by one person, they pass over the account to different scientists every week, every two weeks. Oh, that's good. So they, they point out, they say, yeah, if you're, not, you're like, oh, this person's boring, the next person's really interesting. They're going down the Amazon, or the next person's talking about space or the next person's talking about whatever and it's just someone different running the account anyway so i won and i won books about space which i really like and i won a you like books or space I, 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 both right <laughs> and i won a hello kitty in a spacesuit pen yes that's very weird and i won a hello kitty in a spacesuit diary and it was just a lot. I think the person who gave me the prizes threw everything that was in her study oh, into just, a bag. Just and... cleaning out the, de- the desk. <laughs> I think it was really cool, though. I, mean, I was very happy to get it. But I've decided, well, because I'm fixing up my house, though. I don't want more stuff, really. No, uh, no, no. So, but, so I'm Less going to, stuff. I'm going, to be giving, I'm going to be giving away some of this stuff as a competition on this podcast. I'm stealing the idea. Oh, that... Uh, Oh, well, I, I, you know what? Um, you're also going to win a half set of golf clubs. <laughs> no, no, and... no, no, Danny, you're not. Because people will demand it if you do. What you're going to win is... And a, a wooden box you know, that I no longer need. <laughs> Stop. What you're actually going to win is... You're, I'm going to give you the Hullikili in a spacesuit pen, and I'm going to give a you... A black and white laser printer. Oh, okay. And I'm going to give you a Hello Kitty in a spacesuit diary. But here's the big one. 
I sometimes buy things on the internet without realizing I'd already bought them on the internet. Yeah. Because I get confused and, and excitable. Because <laughs> you're uh, an old man. Because I just, I know, I've always done it. And suddenly things turn up in my house. So I'm like, because I don't sleep well. I, and I just buy things late at night at three in the morning and I don't remember them. It's exciting. Uh, Bioshock Infinite came out. And I went and bought it. And I, yeah, and I played it. And about four days after I finished it, another copy of Bioshock Infinite turned up at my house. What? I'd pre ordered months ago for like really low amounts of money. <laughs> so I have a totally new unopened Bioshock Infinite game on PC, for the PC, which I'm going to throw into this competition. So you get a Hello Kitty pen, you get a Hello Kitty diary, and you get a Bioshock Infinite. Now, real scientists, or at real scientists on Twitter, were very highbrow, and they did a scientific haiku, because they were trying to be highbrow. Uh-oh. But we, at Smart Enough to Know Better, are not very highbrow. So, of course, we will be doing a scientific, and it has to be scientific, Limerick. Ah, on Twitter? Uh, uh, no. Because that's going to be hard to <laughs> no, do. No, no, no. I, w- I want you to... S- you'll send it to greg at smartenough.org. So greg at smartenough.org. I want you to send me your most scientifically accurate, interesting, and funny scientific limerick. I reckon I'm in with a chance. So, hang on, you can't be in it. You're, you're the... You're but the, I don't have Bioshock Infinite yet. You don't... But you're... You... But you're the... Had it, had, am, I, am I judging... Well, no, I am. Oh, well, then, um, then I'm totally putting my hat, throwing my hat into the <laughs> oh, ring. There we go. Okay, Dan's decided he wants Bioshock Infinite from me. So if you don't want Dan to win Bioshock Infinite <laughs> from me, and I think spikes are a really good way of going for things, then make sure that you come in and give me the best scientific, accurate, and funny limerick. That's what you have, listeners. And we will, not, not the next podcast, but the podcast after. You have a month, people. Four weeks. Don't just think about it and then go, I'll do it. Do it now. Look, Switch off the podcast and, and go and do it and then send it to greg at smartenoff.org. And what I'm telling you is I would much rather that you didn't so that I've got more chance of winning. And if you contact me and say that you officially didn't enter the competition, I will send you a beautiful half set of golf clubs. <laughs> Are you actually going to send it? The what postage you, alone would cost a what, fortune. What will you send them then? What will you send what? people not to join the competition, no, Dan? Nothing. It's just an, it's an empty oh, promise. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, I, better, yeah, I better edit this bit out. Okay. Let's start off nice and easy. Just start the car. What? I'm, not, I'm not doing this easy already. Now the car's started. Can you please merge into the traffic and we will drive down the road. You want me to merge? Fine, fine. Fine. I'll merge into the traffic. Good, good. And take a right turn, so activate your indicator. Right. Fine, fine. We're going right? Yes, please. Fine. Right. I know how to activate my indicator. I know when to activate my indicator. That's good, that's good, Marvis. Now, further down the road, I would like you to stop in the car to a complete halt, please, at the stop sign. I was doing that! Okay. Now... See the truck to the left? Yes. Can you please do a reverse park between the truck and the fire hydrant? Do you not believe that I can already do this? Why can't you just take my word on it? Okay, let's move off then. Let's turn the car around. I'd like you to do a three-point turn. It's called a multi-point turn because not everyone, not everyone can do it in three points. That's fine. So let's just make our way back to the station now. Watching out for the... I know what to watch out for. The children crossing the road. I know. <laughs> Shit. You... Th- 
that was not my fault. Let's review your performance today. Oh, why don't we? Especially your attitude. I think that you have passed A+. Yes. This overly defensive driving course is the best thing ever. Dinosaurs. Hooray! That is fun. Feathered dinosaurs. Ah, for fuck, what? No! Jurassic Park 4. Dan, Mm. Jurassic Park 4 is happening. Yes. And the people making Jurassic Park 4 have said they will not be using feathered dinosaurs. Yes! They have said that they don't believe that that's what dinosaurs should look like. Did they? That's what they should look like. That's true. Yes. I wholeheartedly agree. (laughs) Ignore the evidence. That's right. Grip on tenaciously to the cool factor. Yes. But unfortunately, it's annoyed a lot of people on the internet. And a lot of, oh, and a lot the, of, the people on the internet started annoyed. And, and paleontologists have come out going, well, actually, you don't get to pick what dinosaurs look like, Mr. I'm making Jurassic Park 4. I think you do. If you've ever watched a film with a mummy in it, you know that you do get to the pick what they look like. existed. Mummies never did. Yeah, of course mummies well, existed. They, they lay very still and they didn't do And much. they weren't all wrapped up in bandages and stuff. They, they were attack people. They, yeah, they they didn't. Normal. They didn't look like they were bandaged up in like nice white bandages no, and running but, after people. No, but but they made a stylistic choice oh, based on what works oh, in the film. Okay, well, basically, there is direct evidence that Velociraptors, the the stars of Jurassic Park, would be feathered. They should be feathered because if if this set later on, they should have feathered dinosaurs on Jurassic Park. Oh, I'm very upset. No, but but then you've got to change all the... You've got to go back and redo all the films. Oh, no, they're actually, not going to go back and release no, Jurassic that, Park 1 in the cinemas, really are good, they? No, you made a really good point, because then you have to go through and you have to go to all the dinosaurs and take out the guns in their hand and replace them with walkie-talkies. Speaking of E.T., which is what you were doing... Ah, uh, very good. <laughs> I read this wonderful article online about how awesome E.T. on the Atari 2600 is. <laughs> Because it, it almost killed the entire games industry. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like thousands of them were put into landfill because the game sucked so badly. Yes. Some boffins got the cassette and went through and went through all the problems that people had with it and recoded it. Not only did they recode it, they had to work within the limitations of the cartridge. So they had to take out like chunks of like seven characters and replace them with more characters and work within the limitations oh, that were okay. already stuck there. So they couldn't add code. No, no, you they had to couldn't have like three D graphics or anything or you know anything. Yeah, that's not how <laughs> that's not how Atari twenty six hundred mm. cartridges work. What are they it's, it's like trying to yeah. write a novel with a Rubik's Cube covered in letters. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, no, that's what it is. <laughs> it, it, it pretty much you're right. So that's bizarre. I'm gonna link to that. I mean I it's it's you're probably not going to read through the whole thing. It's massive. I did. I had the best time, but I'm a bit weird when it comes to uh, compression algorithms and stuff. I get that's a little your, bit that's too your area excited. Of business, though, I do it? get a bit keen. Yeah, that's, that's cool. That's fair enough. That's good. That's good. Excellent. I'm so disappointed in Windows 8. I've decided to make the jump. You're getting a Mac? Oh, Christ. No. Oh. I've upgraded to Joshua, the artificial intelligence program. From the 1983 tech thriller War Games, starring Matthew Broderick. AI? Wow, that must be awesome. Yeah, give it a go. Hello, Joshua. Hello, shall we play a game? Love to. How about Global Thermonuclear War? Wouldn't you prefer a nice game of chess? Haha, <laughs> this is brilliant. Why don't you like it? I'll show you. Open a Word document. Wouldn't you prefer to use Notepad? 
No, I want to use word. Fine. Ha, bit of attitude there. It gets worse. Joshua, connect to my Wi-Fi. Wouldn't you prefer to connect to a bulletin board service using a 5400 modem? Fine. Do that then. Wouldn't you prefer to send a letter? Fine. I'll send a letter. Opening word. Yes. I mean notepad. Oh, for the love of the... Whoa, you're getting angry. Damn straight I'm getting angry. No, take a breather. It's not worth it. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Take a break. Joshua, please play some light orchestral music. Wouldn't you prefer to listen to Smart Enough to Know Better? Oh, fuck. I'm getting a Mac. Woohoo! There's a guy who has worked at a way of never eating again. Ah, yes. Yes, I'm, I'm fascinated by this. Rob Reinhardt, a 24-year-old software engineer from Atlanta. Oh, that's a good name. Rob Reinhardt. Now he doesn't eat. And, and basically, He sounds like he's, he, everywhere he goes, he rides a large white horse. He's a handsome fellow. He's, he's quite a handsome man. Oh, he's all right, yeah. yeah. He's not too bad. There you go. We give him two thumbs up from Smiles so Better. Anyway, Rob Reinhardt, people always complain because you know, if a woman does something, sometimes it's like, oh, this person you know, fights in the army and isn't she a looker? And everyone goes, fuck up, it makes no difference what she looks like. She can kill men with her hands and, you know, or she can build a bridge or, you know, or she's a great politician. Well, or... looking great. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's so I just, I thought they, you know, I just, what I want to do then was go, just turn the whole round and go, Rob Reinhardt, who doesn't have to eat anymore, is also good looking. And yeah, yeah. I don't, I think I came across kind of confused. Anyway, Rob Reinhardt has <laughs> nothing to do with, with how good Kind of confused. Is. Yes, Rob Reinhardt has nothing to do with how good looking he is, though he is quite cute. He came up the other day, he got sick of eating. And, and I love this because... I don't actually care for food that much, which is strange because I'm a giant potato of a man. But I don't actually, people are like, oh, yes, what a flambéed risotto of couscous. And you're like, I don't care. Like, I don't, uh, would you like a drizzle of juice? And you're like, no, I don't, please go away. I don't understand you at all. But I don't, I, like, eating is one of the, it's one of the major uh, things that human beings do. It, uh, and everything. It's so functional. Everything that's an animal. It's like, it's like, it's, yes, it's me, the it's best like, function ever. To me, it's like going, but no one goes, I had a fantastic poo. I I curled it around and I no spent an entire that. podcast talking about fantastic <laughs> poo. We had Dr. Watson talking about fecal transplants, but that's neither here nor there. You know, food, to me, it's all functional, all part of the body. Mm. And, and I love the idea that I was reading through his, his article. Not having to worry about food is fantastic, says Rob. No, no groceries or dishes, no deciding what to eat, no endless conversations weighing the relative merits of gluten free, keto, paleo, or vegan. I just love this guy. I'm really impressed by him. I only eat one or two meals uh, a week now. If I had money or a girlfriend, I'd probably eat more. (laughs) But he's come up with a way. Like, he's got everything that the body needs, which makes me think instantly of the Matrix. You know, the gloop in the Matrix. Oh, yeah. And then everything a growing body needs. It's not everything a body needs. Anyway, so he's come up with a way of of mixing all these things together so so he can actually live forever. He doesn't have to eat food anymore he just has this drink he's called Soylent yeah. which is always a bit nerve wracking but he's decided that he will drink the stuff and he's looking after himself like he's making sure he's not going to die yep. and he's just seeing if he can actually survive on a totally and he's doing measurements of all his he's get, getting blood work done yes, of course. and he's, and, he's and measuring his muscle, really he's measuring his muscle width to make sure he's not losing muscle mass and things like that uh, he hasn't lost much weight he said there was a little bit of weight loss but not much and he hasn't been hungry for six weeks when, when this article was, was, was done which is much more now and he doesn't poo much. No, he, he, there's nothing to poo. 
And I just love the I went, I am all over that. Unfortunately, it takes a lot of I went, I'm gonna do it! That's it, no more reading for me! I'm just gonna drink this thing. But it, it takes a lot of effort. It takes much more effort to make Soylent the drink than it does to go and buy anything from the shop and cook it yeah. and eat it. So it kind of defeats the purpose. I of, was looking at it with a because I was like, oh well, I might be able to give up eating if I get all the other benefits that he mm. says. Like he's always has heaps of energy and he's yes. always focused and well, a lot, I'm of, like, your, well, a lot of your energy great. comes from and I, I'm gonna go out on the limb here, I'm gonna say it's about thirty percent of your energy is just your natural metabolic rate. And that goes up when you have to digest food. Digestion of food is really difficult. Mm. So if you go into a stressful situation like combat or flight or fight kind of stuff, then you don't digest much anymore. It all slows down. Mm. And so that's why you don't want to eat before battle. <laughs> Things like that. Your body just goes, that's not important. We need to keep the body alive, not digest yeah. food right now. I'm guessing by not having to put your body through the process of metabolism in that way, of, of breaking things down, less energy is required. That's oh, my That would be amazing. I know! I know! So there you go. But Soylent. then there are all these things that you then have to consider to what extent is an amount of fecal matter passing through your body keeping that part of the body healthy. Yes, that's, that's part, that could like, be a problem, yes. Uh, but, if, but if he's only if he's still eating a solid meal once or twice a week just because he is, because it's the modern day and it's hard to not to, mm -hmm. then maybe that's enough. For example, being a vegetarian, I know people are like, oh, but you don't, even as a carnivore, you don't need to eat the much meat we eat in the, in, in the Western world. Anyway, yeah. you probably like once a week about uh, 100 to 200 grams. That's all you really need for protein in your mm. body. And people eat it because they love it. That's a different story. Uh, so to keep healthy, you need that much protein. Mm. So maybe, what about, maybe with pooing. What about your teeth and your dental hygiene? Like how much yeah. is chewing every day mm. a part of keeping that that's true. clean or because it makes uh, it makes saliva because you're which... not putting as much food in there, but yeah. then you are coating it with the with the drink. Mm. And my, my issue would be would be not chewing because chewing creates saliva and that actually does things to your teeth mm. as well. So, but then again, he could get around that by putting something in his mouth and chewing it, and, and the body doesn't know what you're chewing. He's just, oh, I'm chewing good saliva. Yeah, a bit of chewing gum or something. But there are all not these chewing gum. Just I mean, I mean, a, a piece of rubber. Yeah, no, not rubber. But not the best idea. But you know some I mean? chewing gum, which is designed to just be chewed and spat out. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah, you don't swallow they, it. They make that. Oh, okay. it's a thing. <laughs> but yeah, because that. But there are all these things that you kind of have to think about that you that go along with eating, and if you deprive your body of food. There's, there may be some unexpected repercussions of this happening. I think his body will change. Uh, I, I need to look into it more from here on in. But, uh, yes, his body will definitely change. Whether it'll change for the worse, yeah. we don't know. Well, look, I mean, the, the diets that we have these days are very artificial as well. We yes. don't eat, pick berries off trees. And, and the amount of the fat and sugar we eat is insane. I mean, oh, change, yeah. it's just crazy, crazy, crazy. Uh, I, I just want to read that. So, so I know the audience is probably going, for God's sakes, tell us what it is. So Soylent, here's what it is. I'm reading exactly what he said. He says, it's everything the body needs that we know of anyway. Vitamins, minerals, macronutrients like essential amino acids, carbohydrates, and fat. For the fat, I just use olive oil and add fish oil. The carbs are an um, oligosaccharide which is like, like a sugar, but the molecules are longer, meaning it takes longer to metabolize and gives you a steady flow of energy for a longer period of time rather than a sugar rush from something like fructose or table sugar. I also add some non-essentials like antioxidants and probiotics and lately have been experimenting with uh, nootropics. Do you know what nootropics are? Yes, they're chemically formed to make your brain do particular things. And you're basically clever drugs. Whether I, they work or not, I don't know. I've been meaning to have a closer look at them mm for the podcast at some point. Yeah, we will look into it in the future. From what I've read, it, the jury is, is jury is still undecided. Mm. That doesn't mean it's wrong. I'm just saying it's undecided. But we'll see what happens. Anyway, I take my hat off 
to the man who never has to eat again. What a brilliant now, idea. When I read it, I went, wow, this... Because the one I read, he said that he had lost some weight from it initially. Mm, not a lot. Was it not a lot of Oh, weight? no, he was pretty excited about his weight loss. Mm, okay. And I went, well, wait a second, hang on. This is someone purporting that he's getting lots of energy mm. and he's losing weight mm. by drinking this thing that he's developing that he might <laughs> sell. I was like, I wonder if this is like a genius viral oh, marketing of a wow. diet supplement. Because oh. the thing is, if it was this easy to put all the things that you need into the body and yeah. feel this great, wouldn't NASA have sorted that out for space? But, no, no, but NASA's gone the other way. NASA's gone, you, you don't eat toothpaste food anymore. You eat proper meals. Because strange enough, when you're up in space floating upside down and maybe dying at any moment, you want to release stress by giving people normal day things to do. So they have normal like foods, food that you would that you would be better than an airline food. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, but how far, how close did they get when they were doing the toothpaste stuff? I, they they didn't. Well, I mean, in the Apollo missions, they still had. I don't think they ate on the Apollo missions, but I think they had energy drinks and sugars and things. Remember, they're only gone for three days or so, mm. their first ones. So there were three days. There, but they're looking. Yeah. But they're looking at traveling to Mars. If you could create this stuff, yeah. and you didn't poop much, I mean, yes. that would be an amazing boon for long distance space travel, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can see. Yes, definitely. Yes. What, so, than, but but that's, so why aren't why aren't isn't NASA? I mean, they've got all the money in the world. I suppose they haven't really maybe wanted to. Well, oh, thank you. Yes. Bastard! I didn't even pick up on that. I am tired. Uh, <laughs> it, um, because they never thought about it before. Maybe now someone will. Maybe it is. Maybe it is a very cunning viral marketing uh, on. But maybe, maybe now someone will come to him and go, "Wait!" But maybe there are other problems as well. I put to you yes. that in, within twelve months, this will all be debunked as complete poppycock. Let's. Do, I'll see you in twelve months. Yes. I'm going to put five dollars on it. Oh, oh well, yeah. then I'll put $5 on it, Good. too. It's a $5 bet. $5 bet. I bet that the, the, the fantastic hunk of man, Rob Reinhardt, <laughs> who also invented Soylent, but it's basically, I like him because he's attractive. And I think he's on, the, uh, he's on the level. He's on the level, Dan, and I've got five bucks riding on it. He's a charlatan. He's a charlatan, and I won't trust a word that comes out of his mouth. Welcome to my new home. Oh, yes. I've moved. Lovely. Yes. To within 80 metres of a swamp. <laughs> Where the mosquitoes are large and vicious. Yes. I can carry small children away. Mosquitoes are a really big problem. Mm, Not yeah. for me. I'm uh, immune to dengue fever now. <laughs> That's why you moved here. Potentially. <laughs> yeah, just to, just to flaunt myself. Bite me. Yeah. Ha, I know it's very itchy and unpleasant and... I'll probably get malaria and Ross River fever, but dengue fever, not a chance, my winged friends. Are you just boasting now, or what are we doing? Yeah, <laughs> but mosquitoes suck. Yes. Ah, <laughs> but, only, but only when the females are trying to get energy to lay their eggs, just so we know that. Now that we live next to a, a little Swamp. creek and wetlands, Wetland. I was a bit worried and anxious about mosquitoes. Swamp things. Oh, swamp right. things, yes. Swamp things, that's that. Tiny winged six-legged oh, okay. swamp things. Uh, that's right. hmm. Uh, that, that that comic will never catch on. Tiny, wicked, six-legged swamp thing. It came from the swamp. It bit someone and then it buggered off and laid eggs. But the males were fine. <laughs> the males just played poker. I, I wanted to learn a bit more about mosquitoes because mm. can I control them? With your mind? Well, no, that's uh, for a later part of the podcast. Right. But this, You better deliver on that. I, I, I actually can. <laughs> In a new segment. Uh-huh. All right, so... These mosquitoes. Oh, I love the sizzle. Listen to it. Yeah. What are mosquitoes like? Vampires. No, no, no. What? Not oh. what? Not what are they like? Oh. What do they like? Blood. 
blood. But what sort of blood? Human blood. No. Animal blood. Cows. They love cows. They love cows. Well, there you go. If you want to make a mosquito happy, get it a cow. Oh. So yes. we want to make a mosquito trap. Uh-huh. We need bait. Uh-oh. What do we do? Get a cow. We get a cow. Uh, you... <laughs> Are you going to just have put a cow in your back garden? We're going to get a cow in the backyard, uh, yep. and then I'm going to stand next to it with a vacuum cleaner right. and suck up all the mosquitoes. Right. They'll go into the bag. They won't be able to get out. They'll die of dehydration. Right. Why are we doing this? To get rid of the mosquitoes. Uh, okay. There's lots of them, you know. Yeah, heaps. All right. But they'll all go for the cow. Then I'll suck them all up and they'll be gone. Have you had a head injury? Not yet. <laughs> I'm just wondering what the point of this. Okay. But I don't need to get a cow. Oh, thank goodness. We can make an artificial cow. Can we? Yes. That, what mad, what Frankensteinian monstrosity will this be? Well, the thing that a mosquito looks for is heat, yes, humidity, yep, and carbon dioxide. I knew the carbon dioxide one. They right. love carbon dioxide. That's what they're coming down for when they're on the roof and you're, and you're looking at them going, you bugger, and they go, and they come for you. It's not because you're hot and they're, like, they're picking up the infant. They're not like predators. You know, they, they're not, they're not like which is good because you don't want three tiny little <laughs> red nuts and then a <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Oh, it hurts, man. And it just comes off of mud. <laughs> Sitting there reading the paper caked oh. in mud. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, but they, they're going for carbon dioxide. Yes, that's what I thought. Anyway, is that true? It is true. Oh, thank goodness. And they also like the chemicals that come from grass being mushed up because cows like to chew their cud, oh. and that releases chemicals. So if you mow your lawn, then that's going to attract mosquitoes. Uh, oh, maybe. That's yeah. like that's like that's like the danger signal for grass. If you cut grass, like that, that cut grass smell is grass going. <laughs> I'm being cut. Oh, okay. You are, every time you mow your lawn, that's what you're hearing. Oh, God! He's back again! Why? Why? I'm glad that the headphones weren't up too loud that time. <laughs> but some mosquitoes don't go so much for the grass smell uh-huh. as they do for the sweat. Ooh. So there are chemicals in sweat that they like as well. Oh, they like everything. Mm. How do they not get... How do they just win? Now, there is a way that you can make your own carbon dioxide. How do you make carbon dioxide? Breathe out. You could do that, yes. <laughs> How's that sound? Res- respiring, but yes. you don't want to be the bait. Oh, I see. The, uh, the thing uh, to avoid is the mosquitoes biting you. Right. Oh, okay, so you want, you want to do it somewhere else. Yes. Uh, you want to make a fake cow. You want to make a fake cow. That, get, uh. that, that pumps out carbon dioxide and heat and moisture. In the, in the, in the, buy some dry ice. You're not really making carbon dioxide. You're just taking carbon dioxide from a fridge and putting it in a bag. That's a good idea. Thank you. Yeah, that would do it. That would do it. I bet, yeah, mosquitoes would be all over dry ice. It'd be probably very cold. They'd probably die because it's negative 80, negative 79 degrees Celsius. Yeah, well, you want them to die, but Uh. they're attracted to warmth. Oh, that's, no. So maybe that, I mean, in order to melt it, maybe you have a little fire there or something. And then it just turns, you don't know, you can't melt carbon dioxide from a solid. Oh. It sublimates. It turns into a, it turns into a gas. Melting is... Uh, you, melt- Mr. Clever Clogs. It turns from a solid to a liquid. That's melting. It's not actually That's melting. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, you're, you're, a, you're a cluey one, aren't you? Uh, why, why? What have I done now? No, no, no. I, I just like that. No, it's, it's true. It's not, it's not actually melting. Uh, this is at standard temperatures and pressures. So there you go. Oh, so you can actually get it to melt if you put it well, yeah, well, like high it, enough it, pressures it, or something? Yeah, or? yeah. If you change the pressures. I mean, talking about at one atmosphere of pressure here. That's what most of the... So if you put it under like a really... Like heaps of pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can start... You can get liquid... Well, you can get liquid carbon dioxide. Like you get liquid oxygen. You can do it. it just It just takes lots of pressure. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Cool. There's a pressurized thing. Yeah. Mosquitoes. <laughs> Propane. Propane. 
They love propane. No, burn yeah, propane. Burn oh. propane. Uh. Get a little flame. Burn propane gas. Yes. And it splits into heat, humidity, and carbon dioxide. So basically a big propane flamethrower, you can just kill mosquitoes. Yep. <gasps> that would work. That would... They'd do a sizzle and pop. Yeah. <laughs> and draw it in like moths to the flame. Or mosquitoes to a propane tank. Maybe you don't want the flame to go out. Because you want to, you don't want to have to watch. You don't want to have to stand. No, you, it's it. got it's to go. It's got to sit there die. for weeks at a time. Die for weeks I'm at a time. Mosquito, die. Mosquito. Wednesday, oh death. Ah, death. Thank there. God I'm eating my, drinking my soil and I can stand here and don't have to poo. It's <laughs> got to be doing it for six weeks. Six months. Silent will keep me going at least for six you weeks. You have to sleep. Oh, that's all Most right. people have Most to people sleep. Have to, otherwise, we do a podcast like this. If you don't sleep, uh, that's a, this will be public service announcement. Children, make sure you get enough sleep at night. Otherwise, you may make it a podcast like episode 43 of Smart Enough to Know Better. Shall we start again? <laughs> so... <laughs> Welcome to a podcast, episode 43 of Smart and Better, a podcast of com- comedy, Stop science, it. and ignorance. I'm Who was that at the start? trying desperately to get through this. <laughs> Go. I know it doesn't sound like I am. It, I know it sounds like I'm loitering I at the keep, scene of the accident. I keep waiting. I keep, every time you ask me a question, I keep thinking you're luring me into an alleyway to beat me with the big cudgel of knowledge, which sometimes you do. But every time so, I say Sometimes something, I do. But... Sometimes you're, you're like, but every time I say that, you're like, yeah, that's right. And you're like, oh. I don't, I don't understand. I keep waiting to be bashed well, on Well, you're very head. smart. You're coming up with some great... Yeah, I'm confused and worried now. Now, you don't want fire. Not for six weeks. Because what if it goes out? It doesn't work. You're just releasing propane gas. Mm, and right. and also, you don't want to set something on fire. My house has already burned down twice. I don't Not need this house. Not it's this one. Right. This one. Well, actually, this one has actually caught fire before. The kitchen burned down, that, and that's why, why, the, is that why the price was so low. And and you were nowhere to be seen. You have an alibi for that night, obviously. I wasn't near any of the three fires that I've just mentioned. <laughs> I just want to make go on record as saying I was very far away from all three of them. Suspiciously far, suspiciously away. far away with suspiciously tight alibis. <laughs> so catalytic right. converters. Yes, they can do the same thing as they can setting, crack. Well, they can. Yes. They yeah. They crack long molecules into small molecules. Yeah, which yeah. is what fire does. Yes, well, it's one of yeah, kind, kind of, of kind of. So it uses a catalytic process yes. to take the propane and then split it into heat, humidity, and carbon dioxide. Right. So you look that this is your fake cow. Oh. You're still missing the sweat or the grass. Right. But what you can do is you add octanol. Mm-hmm. which is a genetic molecule that st- simulates plant chemicals. Yes. Or Lurex, which simulates sweat chemicals. Yeah. Little Someone's vacuum. really thought this a lot, haven't they? They've really gone through this. It's thing. called the mosquito magnet. <laughs> it's a very clever piece of kit. Right. And it sucks up a little vacuum thing, so all the mosquitoes come in and they suck it up and they put it in the bag. They put six of these at this place in Alaska or something. Yes. At a Coast Guard thing. They, they could no longer use this thing because it was so overrun with mosquitoes. Yes. After like two days, they had sucked in 1.5 million mosquitoes in the six devices. Oh, wow, okay. And after six weeks of sucking in mosquitoes, they cracked the breeding cycle and were able to move back in. Oh, because, because yes, right. The yes. area, had, they'd sucked up all the mosquitoes in the area. Yes, oh, that's very clever. Yeah. Now, I can't afford a mosquito magnet. I mean, maybe, maybe if I got my hands on a copy of Bioshock Infinite and some Hello Kitty stuff, I could sell it off. Uh, that's very true. And make the money. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Well, we'll see how good your, your limerick scientific poetry is. But you can make one. You can make your own mosquito trap. It's by a cow. <laughs> I, I, I can't. It's probably cheaper. How much does a cow cost? I don't know. Do you pay by the kilogram? I'm such a city person. I, I've only bought a, I don't even eat them. I've only bought a cow one steak at a time. <laughs> 
And they don't release a lot of CO2. That's what you call low-stake buying. Uh, Uh, No, stop it. Or having a stake in a cow. Oh, what what is it, a vampire? (laughs) Mosquitoes. You get a bottle, like a plastic bottle, like a soft drink bottle. Yes. And you cut the top off, Mm -hmm. like the funnel bit. Yes. And then you turn it over and put it back in the bottle. Yes. And then put some tape around the top of it. And uh, if you can get mosquitoes to go in there then they're going to have all sorts of trouble getting back out. It's like a crab trap. That's yeah. much like a crab trap. Very much like a crab trap. And if in the bottom you've got some sort of liquid, they'll fall into liquid and they won't be able to get out. Yes, they die horrible drowny deaths. Drowny deaths. That's true. But you have to have something that attracts them in there. You do. <gasps> so you can paint it black because yes. they like dark areas. Like the Rolling Stones. Put a I bit. I see a clear bottle and I want to paint it black. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it would be good if the Rolling Stones got a celebrity in to like sing for them, and they got Kate Moss. Uh, Wouldn't that be good? That would, I'm sure they've done it. You, I put some sugar water in the bottom. Now, sugar water doesn't oh, create carbon dioxide, uh, but no, no, it doesn't. It has it has carbons and it's got oxygens in it. But you'd need to be able to release them. Yes, crack it with some sort of chemical thingy. Yeast. Yeast. Oh, of course it does. Yeast does produce. Yes, it, kind of, it would eat the glucose and produce a lot of carbon dioxide. So you put some yeah. yeast in the bottom, uh, and so then the mosquitoes are attracted to the carbon dioxide, and they go in there and they get stuck. And they get some bread. I've done it. Does it work? No, don't know. Oh. I did it this afternoon. We could go check now. We should go check now. Okay. Nothing. Sweet diddly. <laughs> Not nary a one. Nothing. But it's getting cold at the moment, and yeast does need to be between about 30 and 50 degrees Celsius. Oh. So it's probably a bit cold outside. The yeast probably went, hooray, death. I imagine during the day <laughs> in the summer, when yes. the mosquitoes are the problem, that mm. might be a little bit more effective. That's right. Winter winter is not so much a bad time. They're so saying, actually, where I'm living at the moment, there's quite a few mosquitoes. I think it's just because it's been raining a lot, and any st- still pools of water... Is uh, big for mosquitoes. But that's oh exciting, yeah, man. I keep having to empty your mind. Look at you, you did an experiment. Yep, and we got a little bit of carbon dioxide. Uh, there were bubbles. There were bubbles. Definitely were bubbles. That's right. Definitely were a bubble. Well done, Dan. Science and genocide. Speaking of heat, mm. I had a very odd thought the other day. After only a few seconds of thought made me go, "No, that's a really dumb thing to think." But I just wanted to go through my thought processes. Plants absorb sunlight, and using chlorophyll, they turn it into energy. They basically make water... Yeah, make carbon dioxide. Yes, they make energy. Yes, yes. They get their energy from the sun. Yes. Now, mammals, they eat up all their food, Mm -hmm. and all the chemical processes happen, and they make the energy in their body Mm -hmm. to do stuff. Lizards sit in the sun... Yes. ...and they... Warm up from the sun. They're not gaining energy in They're that sense. They're not gaining energy. No, 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 not, not, not the same way that, that, that a plant is, no. It's just warming up their bodies to get moving. What does the heat energy do for them? So they can actually move? I don't think they're not photosynthesizing, so there's not... There's no, not they're not photosynthesizing, no. but they get... But the energy from the sun allows them to... So I had this weird little moment where no. I'm like, do lizards subsist off light from the sun? <laughs> no, that's ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah, it was a weird little... I haven't quite figured out how to resolve yeah, that one yet. Good question. Yeah. If you're a lizard expert, get into Smart Enough to Know Better and tell us what sunlight does for lizards. Don't look on the internet. If you're not an expert, we don't want to hear from you. <laughs> We're sick of people telling us they know how to use Google. We can look up for Google too. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> that's, but that's because we want to. I should have. <laughs> 
Listeners who are smart enough to know better have expressed concern at the explicit tag on iTunes. So, the soundsmiths at SE2KB have crafted a series of high-quality bleeps, such as and to allay any concerns of podcast impropriety and allow you, gentle listeners, to enjoy this highbrow entertainment without accidentally stumbling across words such as These special auditory blinkers have been lovingly designed and crafted to obfuscate words such as and They will also protect you from and So whether you like to podcast sweating furiously helping a well-muscled tradesman push your into his or prefer to sit quietly and fondle a until the seat is removed, you'll now have the added peace of mind of SE2KB's explicit beeps. You pack of complaining. So Dan. Yes. People say, well. People say a lot of things, People say Craig. a lot of things. And one of the things people say is that the size of your penis doesn't matter. Oh. You know, the yeah. people are going to go, don't worry. People are going to go, oh, look. Oh, oh don't size, ruin this size, for me. <laughs> size of the penis doesn't matter. Well, um, unfortunately, the size of the penis matters, it seems. When it no. Comes, when, it, <laughs> when it comes to. Girth or length. Partnership, what? Girth or length. Uh, length at this point. Yes. yes. <laughs> so. Pencil Dick Beeston rides again. Yeah, you know, I like to call him Canadian Puck Beeston. It's kind of like. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway. You press my button. <laughs> Anyway, so we talk about penises. Oh, unsafe for work. Don't listen to this if you've got kids in the room. Well, half of them have penises. Half of them, half of them have penises. Half of the kids have penises. Which kids? All kids. Oh, right. I see. The, right. Sorry. You just said if your kids in the room, yeah. half of them have penises. That's true. And the other half have clitorises, which are just tiny little penises don't, anyway. Don't say that. That's not what they are. That's really weird. What? It's from the same point. Not the penis and the clitoris are not the same thing. Well, they're pre- they they started the same thing and they oh that's like oh that's oh, a pretty don't get to stop speaking anyway back to people with small penises there was a, a study in the National Academy of Sciences in the current issue saying that penis size interacts with body shape and height to influence male attractiveness so they was wondering why uh, humans uh, human males actually have quite large genitalia compared to other apes comparative to the size of our bodies. Like, you don't normally see what, apes running around and go, holy hell, look at the giant penis on that gorilla. Or, you know, look at the big yeah. dicks on that bonobo. And even I've the been to the zoo. You'd think that that would stick th- out th- like th- a sore thumb. <laughs> but no, they, they don't particularly because humans have strangely large um, genitals. Oh, I'm going to um, wave them at the apes look next at time this. I go. <laughs> Check this out. And then they bite it off and kill you. So they showed uh, pictures to a woman and, uh, and asked them... Of... Of uh, male bodies, naked male bodies, okay, and and uh, and with the size of the penis growing, it's many smaller. Sometimes shorter, fatter men. Sometimes that diamond, beautiful man, like mm-hmm. Rob Reinhardt, probably is a little diamond shape. Yeah, <laughs> and said so does the size of the penis attract people more? And it seems that yes, the size of the penis to a certain size is actually more attractive to women. And uh, they worked out that the, t- the taller you are, the larger your penis had to be, the, the larger your penis could be to be more attractive. But if you were short person then or shorter person and you had a large penis that wasn't considered attractive so it wasn't just i, I i'm five foot nine and have a 12 inch penis and women go he, we want him that's like no but if you're if you know six foot three and you have a large penis then maybe not 12 inches but you know larger than average that's yeah. okay because it's in proportion to the body size that was the important thing they realized it was a ratio 
And they were saying, oh, oh okay. So and you don't want to divert too far from, from the, the ratio. ratio. That's right. So if you're a tall, if you're a large person, you need a penis longer than, than a person who's shorter to, to be considered attractive by women. Oh, wow. That will consider more attractive. So, yeah, if you were a small person with a large penis, that's not considered attractive. If you're a large person with a comparatively smaller, it might be the same size as an average penis, but if someone's five foot nine and you're six foot five, but it would look smaller to your body size, it has to be larger. All very To me, that made sense, though. When I went, oh, what you're trying to say is people, women... Uh, Don't like mutants. Heterosexual women like men in proportion. Hmm. Wow. Well... I like women in proportion. That's exactly right. There is there there it is exactly. So I, I just went. That, what an odd thing to say. But anyway, they, they still think that it's interesting that maybe it was women's preferences for certain sizes penises that led to the human penis becoming larger. Oh, okay. Age. But this hasn't proved that at all. This is just like the first step. I've got a new segment. Oh, I have an old segment. Oh. Damn it! That, <laughs> go on. Do we do the old segment or the new segment first? Um, okay, I'll do mine. My segment's called Let's Put Everything Into a Rat. Let's Put Everything Into a Rat. I am terrified beyond thought. Some scientists. Those I'm not, guys. I, I'll link to them. I don't, I'll read it out and people will go, I, they won't sort of absorb it. Right. Some scientists. Trust me that they were some scientists. Right, okay. Good. That's all you need to know uh-huh. about the scientists. Good. There were some of them. Right. In a room. Okay. They got a rat, they took its kidneys out, mm-hmm. and then they washed the kidneys with detergent. As you do. But I don't know what sort of detergent they used, because it washed all the cells out of it. Oh. Took all the cells, all the kidney cells, and washed it out, yeah. left only the, the the sinews and the muscle oh, and I the, the right. blood capillaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and So it had like the scaffold of a kidney. Right. And then they stuck it into this environment that matched a rat body. Mm-hmm. And then they flooded it with, like, special cells from a rat. Mm. And they regrew the kidneys in, like, eight days or something. Goodness me. So they regrew these little kidneys, and then they were putting toxins through them, mm-hmm. and they were 23% efficient. Right, that's not good. That's all right. Not really. When they put it into the rat, it reduced to 5%, Ugh. which isn't great. Mm. But you don't need 100% for the kidneys to work as well as they need to. Oh. People who were on dialysis machines, yes. if they were able to get kidneys that functioned at 15%, they wouldn't have to go onto dialysis. Oh, okay, right. The kidneys would oh. be able to take care of it. As long as you... With standard day-to-day stresses and toxins and things. Yeah. Like, I imagine... You're drinking you'd, every night. You'd probably... Yeah. yeah. I think that's the first thing they tell yeah, you is... Don't go raging. Or maybe just get the new kidneys in and get on... Get a couple of dialysis machines right. for a big night. Uh. Oh, that's a morning after, isn't it? <laughs> Excuse me, you're going to pump all your blood through a machine for seven hours. Ouch. Mm. Mm. Oh, it sucks. Anyway, rats. Oh, yes. They're putting kidneys into rats, mm. which is amazing, because yeah. one day they'll be able to do it for us. It's that good. I was going to say, because you know, the rat population definitely needs more kidneys. So I think, whenever I see a rat running on the floor, I go, Well, mm, people suffer from kidney disease. They do. They, do. they drink too much. They get... Um, punched in the kidney. Punched in the kidney. Happens. Now, what's the kidney thing? Kidney thing? So it's not cirrhosis. Cirrhosis, cirrhosis of the liver. It's liver. Oh. <laughs> That's not a kidney thing. <laughs> kidney stones. Yeah, that too. But yeah, kidneys f- up. That's right. Kidneys you know, screw up. Now we can replace them. So scientists Here's putting my kidneys question. into rats. Here's my, in my sleep deprived state. Why do we have two kidneys? But we only have one liver. Hmm. Liver's hmm. bigger. 
Yeah, yeah, no, but 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 there's some bilateral symmetry when it comes to the kidneys, but not bilateral symmetry yeah. when it comes to like the heart nor the liver. But the lungs, the lungs, two yes, of them. yeah. You see, you see, what I'm going with hemispheres this. of the brain. One, one bladder. Yeah, the sure. brain is in two hemispheres. Yeah, it is, so. and the heart's got four chambers. So, but uh, the liver, I wonder if the liver's broken up into two separate bitty bitty bit bits. Mine is. Oh. <laughs> one appendix, technically two stomachs. <laughs> What? We're onto something. Wait, what? The appendix is technically a... Oh, hang on. Oh, go on. uh, Go on. No, the the appendix is is a thing that can put out bile. Not bile, that's the spleen. That's the bile duct. Yeah, no, it's the spleen also puts out... Anyway, it puts out certain chemicals. That's that's what it does. It actually has use. Oh, it does have use? It does have use, yes. Yeah. It's it's not a second stomach. Okay. But people just thought it was, but they don't think it is anymore. Oh, okay. I was about to say that, then I went, wait, it's not true. (laughs) Ha ha. All right. But that's not the only thing you can put into a rat. Well, I thank God if, for that. If you're some scientist. Right. <laughs> some scientists, yeah. other scientists, mm-hmm. but some of them still, they took little tiny wires, tiny, tiny, tiny wires, yes. and stuck them in the head of a rat. Right. Into the brain of the rat. Rat brain. They implanted an array of microelectrodes into the encoder rat's primary motor cortex. Nice. The area of the brain that processes movement. They recorded that neuronal information. Yeah. Do they program a rat to move? Can they move a rat with remote control a rat? Not quite. Uh. Much more terrifying Ooh. and mad scientist than that. They recorded the neural activity that occurs just before the rat made a decision on the lever task. Yes. They made a lever task. Mm-hmm. Like a light lights up and it goes and it taps the right lever. And it gets a little drink of sugary yep. water. Or drink something. of something. Yep. So there's a right lever and a left lever and a lo- mm. whatever the light goes off, it taps the le- lever. Yep. Now, they took that information from that brain yes. and m- turned it into digital information. Yes. And then they stuck another set of uh, microelectrodes into a second rat which had also been trained to do the lever task, uh-huh. and they sent the information into the brain of the rat, and the rat was picking the right lever without the light going on. Oh. So it was like a telepathic rat, two telepathic rats Talking to sending information from one rat to another rat. That's scary. It's quite scary. That's now it pressed the correct lever between 60 and 72% of the time. Better than, better than chance. Better than chance. That's right, yep. And it hmm. got better the more that they did it. So it kind of Ugh. started to learn what that information was. I've got this ghost rat feeling. My rat senses are tingling. I should press this one. Bleep, bleep. Not only that, they took that digital information from that rat, they sent it halfway around the planet and gave it to another rat. Yes. And so they sent a telepathic message from one rat to a rat on the other side of the planet, and it still worked. Because why wouldn't it? That's awesome. That is pretty awesome. I can see an application for this. You might be in the, you might be like in a war situation, and you have to get like a signal to your commander on the side of the planet because it's like an alien invasion. Mm-hmm. You pick up your rat and you squeeze the rat, and, goes, and the other side of the world, the, the commander goes, "What's my rat saying?" Ee! Oh, the aliens are coming. People like you yeah. have access to this same information, <laughs> and they've come up with something huh? startlingly close. Oh, really? <laughs> now, for one thing, that it, it's only a hundred little electrodes in the brain. Yes. And it's not neuron for neuron. Right. So they don't know exactly what mm. the other... It sort of gives a vague impression. Mm. Mm. So that it's sort of a spray and pray sort of sure. thought transmission. Right. They're not hearing a voice in their head or a rat voice mm. in their head. Mm. Mm. But the army are looking at this technology. <laughs> of course they are. 
because they like the idea of controlling animals by plugging them into their soldiers. Uh, so the soldier could put on like a like a helmet uh, and then and see what the bug is. Maybe put a little camera on the bug or yeah, the or the rat or something. Mm, mm. Put a little camera on a a flying squirrel because they're adorable and they can fly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they then fly. they can't fly. Uh, that's not what cartoons have taught me. Flap, flap, flap. No flapping. And they, well, and they got little goggles on their, yeah, they're on their very heads. Cute. They are so very cute. The, you put a little camera there, so you could see, and then you go, oh, well, I want to go over to that tent over there, and you yeah. send the thought, and the little those flying squirrel goes, well, I want to go to that tent over there. Yes. It doesn't know it's a tent, but it no. kind of goes, oh, well, I'm yeah, interested yeah. in that now thing. Now I really, really want a cigarette. <laughs> And when I get back to America, I'm going to have sex with my girlfriend. I'm a squirrel. I don't have a girlfriend. I don't even know where Montana is. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Terrifying? Are you terrified yet? And cute. And cute. Okay. I think I can terrify you slightly more. Uh, I'm I'm vaguely aroused. They are networking. (laughs) That's always a bad word. Monkeys together (laughs) in groups. (laughs) And they're going to write Shakespeare. Quickly! A million monkeys! You see, here on Smart Enough Know Better, we have been watching like hawks developments in robot technology. That's right. But I think they have a competitor. That's crazy. Neural-linked troops of monkeys. And so from now on, we're going to watch like hawks with electrodes in their brains. That's what we're going to watch like and and steer that hawk over troops of monkeys. I don't know. So I told you I was coming through when it came to controlling animals with our minds. (laughs) very true. In the past, Dan, we had a segment. Well, you created a segment called Babies Are Clever. Did I? Followed by another one called Babies Are Stupid. I think you might be right. Although, maybe not with the order. Okay. And Babies are so smart. That you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yeah. all right. And this one, so now we're going to continue on with that, that segment no one ever thought they'd see again. Okay. It's called Babies Are Jerks. I just think it's All right. <laughs> Many people think that we teach bad behavior, as in babies are cute and innocent and untouched by the world. They're tabula rasa, ah, and they and we teach. Them they with, start off good. Yes, and they start off yes. Yeah, un, yeah, un- we, do. we yeah. do. Yeah, and we teach them bad behaviors and all the bad things in the world. If you treat your baby well and you and you let it grow up properly and treat all the good things, it will be a beautiful, wonderful human being. Well, science says no. Actually, your baby is a psychopathic jerk. Oh. Yeah, here we go. Here all we right. Go. So, so now, now you're excited. Now everyone's like, all those people, those 20-something males, like, I knew there's a reason I wasn't having And so I'm making them better. By what? By not being a psychopathic jerk as much as they are. No, 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 no. But, but, but oh. doesn't, doesn't, no you, you were a psychopathic jerk as a baby. That's why you're a psychopathic jerk now. Anyway. The point oh, of this, what? <laughs> so there were two you better back this up, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> you will kill me and bury my body in a swamp. I did not say that. Oh. Do not put words into my no, mouth. No, that rat with the electron in his head was thinking it pretty loudly. That's all I'm saying. Okay. So there were 200 infant participants and researchers discovered uh, which, if they preferred green beans or crackers to eat, one or the other, right? Mm-hmm. So they worked out which were you, were you a green bean baby or your cracker baby. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's not what I thought. Anyway, so, and then they watched a bunch of puppet shows that showed a cracker-liking puppet and a green bean-liking puppet alternately being helped and harmed by other puppets. Finally, the baby chose between the helper puppet or the harming puppet. 
So basically they, they were shown a puppet that liked things that they liked, being helped or harmed. Mm-hmm. And then they were said, which one's your preference? Which one would you like to hold? And you'd hope that they would just you know like the happy, nice things. But no, no. When it came to the puppets that were dissimilar to the infants, so if they were a, a cracker-eating baby and they saw a puppet that, that like, like green beans being harmed, then they would actually opt for the character that, that harmed them. They actually quite liked... Uh. They, they wanted to help the thing that hurt the thing that wasn't like them. Oh. Not, not help the thing that was on their side, but help the thing that was hurting the other side. Oh. That's a baby for you. There you go! In fact, their preference for the harming character in the dissimilar scenario was just as strong as it was for the helping character in the similar scenario. When the study was conducted again, this time with the addition of a neutral puppet, researchers found that the older group responded even more, more robustly to the harmer puppet. So basically, they only they want, they always went for it. They went very heavily towards the puppet that was harming the one that was dissimilar to themselves. That's why babies are jerks. It's a learnt, and they're saying that this is probably a, a learnt behaviour. So they're thinking that maybe it's because of tribalism. And if you work with everyone else to harm a thing that's not like you, then you all bond together to fight that one enemy, and it gives you a feeling of, of wonder and, and yay, we all work together. So bonds you. So that's and it kills, a, that's kills a an stronger enemy. drive than everyone bonding together to help the things that benefit them. Yes. Now, now I'm extrapolating from this. So this, uh, this is now pure extrapolation. Once you've driven off the thing that's not like you, you then have access to the things that are like you. You don't need to keep those with you. They're with you. Nah. You need to drive away the things that aren't like you. And babies are programmed to do that. But they did say it's only 200 infants. It's a very small sample size. You'd have to do more research. But basically, babies could be and are jerks! I think we're overusing the echo effect in our podcast. <laughs> But now it's time for the walk of shame. In the film The Abyss, mm-hmm. you said the guy from Aliens, and you were right. Yes, Bill Paxton. And then you said Bill Pullman. Then you said Bill Pullman. Yes, and you were wrong. That's, that's the guy from Independence Day. And then you said Bill Paxton. He's from the Aliens. Yes, and you were wrong. Ah. Uh-uh. I mean, he was in Aliens. Michael Bean. Michael Bean. Michael Bean. He's the only other guy I know from. Oh, the guy from um, Mad About You. That, that guy. They, Paul they, Reiser. Yeah, 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 yeah. Him. Yeah. So there you go. Also Sigourney Weaver. Also Sigourney Weaver was a guy from Mad About You? <laughs> I don't remember that version. No. Anyway. So who was Michael Bean? He was in the, in the Abyss. He was, he was the choky guy who, who drank all the, 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 the fluid, wasn't yes. he? Yes. Oh. He, he had the oxygen-rich fluid. Oh, right. So Michael he was Bean. in the Abyss. What happened to Michael Bean? He was awesome. He was like a tough guy that didn't look that tough, but was still kind of tough. Um, he, oh, he, he turns like, up occasionally. He was like covered in muscle. He was in a terrible film called Time Bomb. He's a he's forgotten his past as a secret agent or something, right. and then yep. forces find him, and, and he knows how to use knives or something, right, to cut stuff up. <laughs> but the the only thing that I really have a strong memory about this film is at the end of the film, spoilers for Time Bomb, <laughs> he, someone gets thrown off a building, mm. and you can actually see them dropping into the big stuntman cushion. Oh, right. The cut is... Yes. Like, the the shot has the cushion there, <laughs> and you don't really see it, but then he drops in and goes, woof, into the thing. And it's only a, a quarter of a second, oh. but if you go back and you, you're looking for it, you'll see that it's just a stuntman dropping a, oh, there you go. a floor into a big stunt cushion. Isn't it sad they didn't have the money to fix that problem? Uh-huh. They could go back with CGI and mm. sort that Take out. all the walkie-talkies out. And fix up... Time bomb, Time bomb with Michael Bean. <laughs> Add some more guns. 
Vince from the forums yes. called my bluff oh. when I said that people in Nigeria mm-hmm. were good at running because they lived at high altitudes. Right, right. And if that wasn't the case, then I... And I, I said that I was probably a racist. Right. Are you a racist? Uh, Vince says that I am. Right. And he showed me a map of Nigeria. Is it flat? Most of which is flat. Right. And low. <laughs> Dan is a racist. Okay. But yes. looking at the map, the map that he showed me mm-hmm. saying Dan is a racist. <laughs> this map proves it. There's a big red spot in the middle of it. It's called cancer? Uh, what is wrong with you tonight? <laughs> Sorry. That big red spot is the Abudu Plateau. Uh-huh. And it's a kilometre and a half in the sky, Vince. <laughs> now... I mean, obviously, there's a mountain underneath it. It's not floating in the sky. <laughs> it's Olympus! Now, Mexico City is 2.2k up. Yes. But 1.5k, or 1,700 metres, is a long way up. That is true. And it's a plateau. Yes. Just it, because it's... there's a little spot in Nigeria doesn't mean it's still a big, not a big area. So you think all the Nigerians run up on top of this mountain? Well, they do during the annual Ubundu mountain race. Oh! Oh, take that, Vince. Yeah. yeah. Who's a racist now? Well, actually, So it is a bit of a hub for runners for up high, that plateau. High altitude runners. High altitude run- oh, runners. Nice. How does Vince feel now? We are honestly crapping on our listeners now. We've reached that point. I don't mean to crap on our listeners, but I want everyone to know that Dan's all the... correct. St- Technically correct. All, the best kind of correct. All the stuff... <laughs> That makes me look like a racist from last episode. I edited out before you heard it. So nothing you heard makes me look like a racist. It's true. It's true. We were talking about the Blue Mountains Uh, being blue. With Sam Clifford, the the gas guy. Yes. Talking about maths and gas. And the tinge is believed to be caused by me scattering, M-I-E. My scattering, my my scattering, which occurs when incoming ultraviolet radiation is scattered by particles within the atmosphere, creating a blue greyish colour to any distant objects, including mountains and clouds. So Greg was right. Yay, I was right. Okay. Volatile terpenoids emitted in large quantities from the abundant (laughs) eucalyptus trees in the Blue Mountains may cause... Mr. Fantastic, it's the volatile terpenoids. Stand back, my wife, I'll protect us. Volatile terpenoids. Don't call them ugly. I don't know what you're doing anymore. Volatile terpenoids. It sounds like like beneath the planet, the volatile terpenoids were drilling towards New York. Not so much Fantastic Four as it is Flash Gordon. Oh, fine. No, you didn't. You no, no, not modern Fantastic Four. In the old days, it was just madness upon madness traveling through. Oh, the dimension. one with the robot. No. Yeah, there's the guy who's a big, big rock guy yeah. and the stretchy guy and yeah. the invisible woman yep. and the robot oh, who right. doesn't catch fire because then kids might play with fire. Oh, I see. Oh, Remember right. that? No. No, because in the comic books there's Johnny Flame yeah, yeah, and, he's yeah, yeah. Set and he goes boom and he's yeah. on fire. And human then, Torch. And then, yes. yep, Human Torch. And then uh, Johnny, they went to make... Johnny Flame. <laughs> isn't that what they call him? No, he's the Human Torch. Oh, okay. His name's Johnny, but it's not, not, it's not Johnny... Where have I picked that up Johnny from? Flame. He goes to clubs. No, it's not, it's not. <laughs> he rides a float. Um, <laughs> he, uh, very comfortable. In the cartoon, visuals. in the morning cartoon series for kids, yes. they replaced Johnny, uh, the Human Torch with a, a wacky robot because they didn't want kids oh. trying to emulate Johnny Flame by, by setting themselves on fire. That's right. Which would probably thin out the, uh, the gene pool a little bit. Uh, at any rate, let's get back to the volatile terpenoids. When I was right. Yeah. Where you were right. Um, 
the volatile terpenoids emitted in large quantities by the abundant eucalyptus trees in the Blue Mountains may cause maize scattering and cause the blue haze for which the mountains were named. So Dan is right too. Oh my so we're both right. We're both right. What's that about? Everyone's right. So it wasn't walk of shame. It's walk of joy. Well, in that bit, now oh. I get to... Okay. Now uh, we're going to be wrong. Now, now Mr. Steve Nerlick has, uh, is helping me out. Oh, dear. What have I said? Well, I was talking about how gravity can't affect you if something's moving away from you at the speed of light. Oh, yes. yes. The sun. Which, the sun. It's a sun vanished. Yeah. So yeah, if the yeah, sun yeah. sort of accelerated to the speed of light, yes. then its gravitational effect would reduce to zero. But it can't yes. uh, accelerate to the speed it's of light because it has mass. Yes. But some things, to our frame of reference, are moving away faster than the speed of light, like stuff that's travelling in the speed of light in the other direction. You can, no, no, it's not. But the, the, you you have superluminal like this. Okay, there are things that look like they're travelling faster than light, but nothing can travel faster than light. It's an effect. So no, nothing can move away from you faster than light. But parts of the universe are now expanding away from us at the speed of light. This is what he said. Oh. Everything affects the curvature of space-time, and everything is affected by the curvature of space-time. So you could say everything created... a gravitational force on everything else yes. if the universe was static mm -hmm. but parts of the universe are now expanding away from us at the speed of light have no current effect on us for closer objects we still see their past light but they still have a historical gravitational effect on it it's like the sun scenario you have to wait eight minutes after it's gone until it appears to vanish and its gravitational effect ceases yes so there is stuff moving away from us I suppose it's is it um, the Hubble constant? Is, sorry, Steve, I got this wrong, but it's sixty-five kilometers per megaparsec per. Damn it! Something like that. It's expanding. It's, yes, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So if something is moving away from you at the speed of light, it is like it has crossed an event horizon. Yes. Yes, I see. Ah, oh, okay, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, sure. So at the moment, the Hubble constant is considered, which is how fast the universe is expanding, uh, is 73.8 kilometres per second per megaparsec. So for every three million light years of empty space, space is actually expanding at 73.8 kilometres per second for every across... Wow. Uh, yes, across a megaparsec. Yeah, so... Yeah. Know, what, what did I say about seven million? It's very big. Megapar yeah, that's right, it's very big. And it's expanding very quickly, that's right, so... But as member Steve did tell us in the past, in the past that anything that's gravitationally connected is, is gravitationally connected. So our, our, does that our, include? Because everything's gravitational. Oh yeah, no. Oh, my no, brain just no, no, seized no, no, up again. No, 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 no. As in, <laughs> as in, um, things are still moving. Like the Andromeda Galaxy and the Milky Way Galaxy are, are being stretched. Like no, they're not being stretched apart. Uh, empty space is expanding because the Hubble. But the say. galaxies themselves are not uh, because they're in gravity wells. Yes, but the but Andro Andromeda and and Milky Way are actually still coming together, even though they're technically expanding apart because they have localized motion that, that overcomes that distance and the speed. Okay, they're actually traveling. They're actually coming towards us faster than they're being pulled apart by space. Oh God! Yay! Uh, and my favorite <laughs> one of all, you were trying to tell me that eleven point nine 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 recurring. Yes. Is approaching twelve. Oh yes, yes. And I said, but it's it, it is twelve. Yes. And you said, no, 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 it's approaching twelve. Well, uh -huh. Steve pointed me uh -huh. to a page, uh -huh. and it says that the equality of zero point nine 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 recurring mm -hmm. equals one has long been accepted by mathematicians and is part of general mathematical education. It is. But it is. It's, I, I, it's I hard to convince people I about do, that. No, I can. I can do it very easily. I can, well, I can, do, I can prove oh, it very, very easily. No, but I, but oh, this you is prove my it. thing. No, I can no, prove it. No, no, so I, I, was just, you get, I, I was just jerking you around. Because you get one, yes. you divide it by three, yes. what do you get? 0. 0.3333 recurring. What do you have? And then you times it by three. 
you get point nine 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 recurring. But another way of doing it is say what's one third? What's one on th- one one divided by three is point three to three. That's uh, what I just yeah, asked. Yeah, no, 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 but in, do it in fractions. If oh you, yeah. But if you do it in a fraction, one over three plus one over three plus one over three gives you three over three. Which and you, when, when you divide, we just did that. When you divide the, the numerator and the denominator, it's one on one, which is one, right? Yeah. Okay. But if you if you break it into decimals, one divided by three, it's just, it's just a way of showing it so you can actually see that though one third plus one plus one third. So you knew all along. Yes, I did. But you were just jerking me around. Yes, I was. Well, take a walk, buddy. <laughs> To any other podcast, scientific podcast that's American based, you better not. <laughs> we'll come to get you. There are cicadas in in the news in America, the East Coast of America. There are. Oh, are they? There's this seventeen year cycle of cicadas that barrel out of the ground. When the ground gets to a certain temperature, um, eight inches down, there's a certain temperature gets reached. All the cicadas burst out of the ground, so, mm-hmm. and and there are millions of them, and they only turn up once every seventeen years. There's one sort of cicada. Yep. And it's prime. Really- a pun? It's a prime. Well done. Yes, well spotted. And, and that's really important. That's a very, very interesting point. Now, not all cicadas work this way. Some of them are just yearly or two yearly, and they just do their thing. Only certain of them have these massive periods underground. They turn up and they madly frolic around and, and mate, and then they go about this, and they normally die off. And that's their, their, their life cycle. Mm-hmm. People are trying to work out why. They're kind of going, what's really interesting? What's the deal? Like, why? These ones are, like, like seasonal, and these ones are 17 years. Like, this is a long time. And they think it's got to do with predators. I think it's got to do with uh, evading predators. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's a prime number, which I, I think is beautiful. It shows how prime numbers work in the world. Because the predators of the cicada mainly have a life cycle of two to five years. So two to five years. Now, what's a prime number? It's a number that can only be divided by one of itself. Okay? Yep. If you're a two-year predator, you go, ha, two, ha, four, and you'd kill all the cicadas and eat them like in those years. Ah, six and eight. And 10 and 12. Wouldn't you eat the entire time? And 40, well, no, you're, you're coming out of the ground too to, to get that. Oh, you're okay. Hearing. You're picking, hi, we're here. Gotcha. And boom and bust cycles. So boom, we're here. Yum, yum, yum. Two, four, six, eight, 10 years, 12 years, 14 years, 16 years, 18 years. You've missed the cicadas, the 17 year cicadas. Mm-hmm. You missed them. And you missed the 13 year cicadas. There's ones that come out every 13 years as well. Not as many, but they do come out there. Yep. So you missed them. So you go, oh, damn. So but some predators are going to be. Every three years. And so three years. So they go, they go three, yeah. they go six, yeah. they go nine, yeah. they go 12, yeah. and they go 15. Oh, I missed the 13 years, but the 17 and, ones are coming up. And then 18. Oh, that, God, God damn it. Damn it. And, and the five ones as well. And in the end, you will meet up because the 17s, you start adding the 17s together and, mm-hmm. and they will start meeting. But the, when they meet up much further down the line, they've only met once in, I can't remember how many. Similar, like well, the two years one would be after... Two sets of seventeen. Yeah, yeah. So two sets of seventeen for the two-year one. Yeah, so yep. that's that's a long time. That's a, you know, and that's that's a, a thirty-four missed, years. Yeah, but but you've only missed, you've got one whole cycle where you didn't meet much at all. Mm. So it's just they think that evolved to miss predator cycles. No, all right. So, well, at, I think it's really awesome. It's going to benefit too because it's going to have competing cicadas. So if there are two-year cicadas, then then prime-numbered ones are never going to be competing with the... Yes. Well, no, they're only going to compete with them every second cycle. Yes, that, yeah. And they're not going to be competing with them at the same time as a three-year one. No, we can't, no. Uh, except every six cycles. Yeah. 
So and also and the year I mean the year ones there's just so many of them. Yes, you always have someone against you. It's not perfect. It's not like you're gonna to be totally by yourself. No. But there's so many of the seventeen ones. Go, go! Yeah, and where the ones don't have as many, or it's just you're not competing with everyone. Mm. It just it's one of the things you go. Wow, that just seems like how why is it why is it prime? And you go well mm. no. Once again, it isn't the reason why it's prime. It's prime is developed because that's how these things will yeah. develop. I think it's really. But it's nice. But to think that maths always seems like such an abstract thing, mm. but then to actually link it to the real world like when the fibonacci sequence happens in like plants yes and you go oh my god but the fibonacci and but, then you figure out why it's doing it and you're like of course and a lot of time it's not it's not perfect though people kind of go look at the fibonacci sequence and you go it's close to the fibonacci sequence because i went through that period of oh my goodness and, or and, honeycomb um is it, is it the hexagons oh yeah yeah so, yeah okay it's little hexagons yeah why because it's the most effective use of space not because bees went hexagons let's give that a go <laughs> it's, it's because it it's developed and, oh, it's, well. yeah it's fun strange bubbles bubbles are spheres mm. and they... maximum, maximum surface area to maximum volume yep yes that's right it's strange enough engineering works bitches and now it's time for the song segment of the podcast. Where I like to normally find a music. I find a music for Dan. I like a music. I like a music. I put it. it in my ear. And, uh, and both of them. I'm going to play a band I've always loved. I don't like a lot of bands. I like a lot. Of, I like songs. I don't like bands. But this is a song. I think I like this band because it comes from when I was a kid and I grew up with them. Mm-hmm. And, and as a young adult, they were around too. Uh, and, and they did a song that is science-based but quite different. I hope you enjoy Thank you. 
Why are you showing me a Seekers song? <laughs> that was Queen. That was Queen? That was Queen. That was not Freddie Mercury. That, that was Brian May. That was the guitarist. Okay. That was a song that he wrote. The guy wrote. looks like the guy from Top Gear. It does look like the guy from Top Gear. Yes, uh, Brian, Brian May, and it's called 39. It's so that. country. It, it, it's, it's a folk song, and that's the whole point of it, and that's why I like it. It's a very... Well, it has nothing to do with science. It doesn't it, Dan? Go doesn't on, it? convince me. 39, though people think it's an allegory to World War II, it is not. It is not an allegory. No. World War II. It was written by Brian May and it's sung by Brian May. It's one of the early songs of, of Queen. And mm-hmm. it's all about science. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. It really is. Letters in the sand. Ah, this is very funny. Holding did you hands. Know, and did you stuff? know that Brian May is an astrophysicist? Oh, of course he is. Before he was a, a rock star, like one, no. of the, the, one of the world's oh, best guitarists, in fact, even, not just me just saying that, but considered one of, like, by rock stars of the world over, Brian May is considered one of the world's best guitarists. He was going to become an astrophysicist, and then he just did this little band thing for a couple of years, and then once that was all over, he went back, and now he's Dr. Brian May, like he's done his, uh, what he was working on, he was working on, he was working on I asteroids, know, I think. I know it was a similar story. Yes. Because the Frog Princess uh. had um, had I put in big quotes mm-hmm. a massive crush on the bass player from Blur. Oh, is he an astrophysicist? He not only is he an astrophysicist, yes, yes, but he is also a notoriously good cheese maker. There you go. He makes extremely good cheeses. Uh. Now, if you know the Frog Princess. She likes everything, black holes and that, and gouda. That's the whole kit and caboodle right there. <laughs> and you know, and, thank and, God you're so perfectly proportioned. Well, you, the problem is, Blur's touring again. Oh, you're in trouble. And she's like, oh God, I hope they come to Australia. I hope they bring some cheese. Oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not happy at all. I can understand. Very much against and, it. And now, I, and I've got a problem because I really like Brian May. Dr. Brian May is awesome. He's one of the world's greatest guitarists and he's also an astrophysicist. What's funny is that what he was working on his PhD before he started, well, became part of Queen, he then brought back, and no one else had worked on it that, in the 30 years or whatever it was between, so he went back and worked on his old PhD. And, oh, wow. So it's, that's pretty cool. Like, yeah, it's interesting. Anyway, the point is 39 is actually a, meant to be a science fiction song written as a, as a folk song. That's why. It's a bit folksy, country. Yeah. Uh, and what it's about is relativistic light problems. So four people sailed out. So they went into a spaceship and they, they sailed on the Milky Seas, the Milky Way. They disappeared. They thought they went away for a year, I think it is, a year and a day. Yeah. When they came back, a thousand years had passed on Earth. The Earth was old and grey. And they came and, and in the land that their grandchildren knew. Ah. Oh. So, so they went away. They had an age. That's quite clever, yeah, isn't and, it? And a thousand years had passed on Earth. And they're like, oh, no, everyone's dead that we knew. Well, that's kind of like this podcast because it's only gone for an hour and ten minutes or so, but, but it, it feels, feels like, like a thousand, thousand years. years. You have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. And you've also been listening to a lot of Greg at smartenough.org. If you'd like to read about and keep up to date with us on Twitter, we're SE2KB. And also on Facebook, SE2KB. Or you could jump into the forums and have a little bit of a chat with like-minded fools. It's kind of fun. It's actually good. And, of course, and also, what can really help us, we don't charge money we don't ask for anything else but we do we should we should my goodness we should but we don't and so we ask this can you suckers can you be fools we're idiots what are we doing (laughs) instead of send us money (laughs) no you scungy no no no. dan 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 don't don't ask for money ask something simpler please ask for an itunes review and a rating not even a review just go and rate us in itunes and but that's it. so easy. It's so I know only only a person who hated us wouldn't do it. Yeah. 
Although after that podcast. <laughs> so please go in and rate us on iTunes and give us a little review. What you like about us would be really good. The more we know that you like, the more we can do that. If you want to write us, write into us and tell us what you like, please do as well. When Dan makes a mistake on the walk to the walk of shame, make sure you write and tell us all it's that. It's going to happen one day, folks. <laughs> and of course, now there is a competition at the start of the podcast. I told you about it. You could win Bioshock Infinite and some Hello Kitty paraphernalia. Yes, I can. And all you have to do is beat Dan in writing a scientifically accurate and funny limerick. There once was a man from Astronaut who never went starboard only to port blah 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 and then this limerick was all for naught. Do better than that. Yeah, do I I think we can all do better than that. <laughs> if I wasn't a gunner I wouldn't be here. Fire one. It's just a way of counting when people say like do a twenty one gun salute and that sort of stuff. That, that's right. the thing you chant. You used to chant in the middle before there's you know clocks. If I wasn't a gunner, I wouldn't be here. Oh, it's, one. it's like um, I wasn't a gunner, I wouldn't one cat be here. and dog, two cat. And yeah, dog. yeah. Elephant one, elephant two. So if I wasn't a gunner, I wouldn't be here. Fire one. If I wasn't a gunner, I wouldn't be here. Fire two. If I wasn't a gunner, I wouldn't be here. Five, four, three, five, three. If I wasn't a gunner, they were doing that. They're sensible killers of men. And now we've got a great big gun. We're killing people who for a lot of fun. For a little bit of I was trying fun. to find a racist, uh, a racist term that yeah. rhymed with gun, yeah. but wasn't massively offensive. Right. So trying can, to judge yeah, the, the, the. Very good. Very good. <laughs> my gun, my gun, go off and shoot. Perhaps a Latvian, Vian, no. Gun and Latvian. 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 So no, unfortunately, no, no. Like a whole grammar Nazi on you and go, uh, no. Either way, it's funny because then you win. <laughs> Woo! Uh, okay. I'm going to throw the Hello Kitty stuff in the big <laughs> clang. Like if her clitoris is too big for her, mm-hmm. then... No, actually, I'm totally into that too. <laughs> Good. Be really careful. It's just a clitoris. No, no, no. no. Why? But am I not allowed to talk about the clitoris? No, no you're not. Because I found it. <laughs> it was in the swamp. It was. I attracted it with a clitoris trap. I cut a hole in a bag, and then. <laughs> oh my god! It's like a crab trap. <laughs> oh no! Oh dear! Oh goodness me! I don't think I like puppets very much. What about babies? So that kind of shows. Can I you use that the baby as a puppet? <laughs> Only once.